Hey there, this is An Arm and a Leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. Welcome to season two. I have been learning so much. I'm really excited to share these stories with you. For example, as soon as this show launched last fall, I started getting emails from listeners. One of them had the subject line, pregnant woman and her husband in Minnesota need help. This story illustrates one of the big, big themes we're exploring on this show. You got to have your guard up the whole time. Be ready for anything to happen. At minimum, you got to be ready to do some pretty advanced adulting. And even then, holy crap, you guys. I mean, the couple in this story, Caitlin and Corey, they had already done some pretty good adulting. More than two years ago, Caitlin was looking at leaving her job to go back to school, and Corey was self-employed, and they were thinking they'd like to have a baby, and they were asking the tough questions. So yeah, we kind of had to like really walk through it and talk about what insurance looks like with having a baby, and should I just hang on to this job so we can have insurance? Like That was a conversation we had. And we stood in that room downstairs for like days and fig- tried to figure out insurance. And they had to get really specific. What hospital do we think we'd like to have this baby at? What insurance plans cover that one? On the state Obamacare exchange, they found a plan from a company called Health Partners that runs a bunch of local hospitals, including the hospital they wanted. So the hospital and the insurance are the same company. Convenient, right? And so they chose that, and they exhaled. They had adulted. It took them a while to get pregnant. When Caitlin finally got a positive result, she ran to the drugstore and bought six more pregnancy tests. Corey's like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I don't know either. It says it's working. And I think we had all six of them until a couple months ago. Yeah, I saved them. They were like hidden in jars. This is such a good moment. That was last spring. And the pregnancy rocks along. Caitlin's healthy. Baby seems to be doing great. Everything great. And then last fall, just about six months in, a letter arrives from health partners. Corey's out on a shoot. Caitlin opens it says, we didn't get your payment, so we're dropping you. Actually, we dropped you as of about a month ago. Bye! And I remember I looked at it and my stomach dropped. And I was like, oh shit. What does this mean? I don't get it. Yeah. I paid this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, and we're pregnant. Like, Yeah. Caitlin calls health partners, waits on hold, gets transferred, 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 and gets somebody who's like, oh wait, Oh, you bought this through the Obamacare exchange. In Minnesota, that's called Minsure, like Min for Minnesota, Sure for insurance, Minsure. You bought this through Minsure? You got to call Minsure. They're the ones that dropped you. Oh, okay, sure. Call Minsure, transfer, transfer, transfer. Finally, somebody at Minsure says, what? No, 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 no. You got to call health partners. And she does. And gets exactly the same result. And I mean, it was back and forth, back and forth. And if you've ever called the health system, it's like, you know, it takes a half an hour, 40 minutes of waiting to get to hold of anybody. So it was really frustrating, or got frustrating quick, of like, we just were on the phone with them. They're not going to wait another half an hour. They told us we had to come over here. Nobody will really talk with them. And at first, they have no idea why this is happening at all. As far as they know, they're paid up. And then a letter arrives from their hospital that clues them in. The previous month, they sent a payment to the wrong address. Instead of sending it to Health Partners Insurance, they sent it to that Health Partners Hospital. The letter from the hospital says, yeah, we couldn't figure out what this check was for, so we returned the payment to the account you sent it from. So Corey and Caitlin had made a mistake. Actually, two. 
At the moment when they sent their next payment to the right place this time, their account didn't have enough money to cover the whole thing. A week later, it did. But yeah, two strikes. They're out. We thought we did the right steps. Yeah. We thought we adulted properly. And right. Yeah, we adulted way wrong. Ehrlich. Okay, back to the phones. Now they knew something. They've made an honest mistake. Time to fix it. And still, the same result. Nobody will let them get to the part about the mistake they made, how to fix it. They just say, oh, yeah, call the other guys. Zero progress. Every day. For like a week. I remember, like, talking to people and being like, hey, like, this is an honest mistake. Like, here is the proof. Make a human, you know, reaction to this. When I met them this spring, Corey and Caitlin had marked up a calendar to reconstruct the timeline. They got noticed they were canceled. The next two weeks are phone calls. And the two weeks after that are marked gave up. Or you could say they changed strategies. The pregnancy had been totally normal so far. They're healthy. It's November. Baby's not due till late January. They will have new insurance then. Maybe they can ride it out. Pay cash for everything for the next couple of months. So we were like, cross our fingers, hope the worst doesn't happen until, you know, January 1st. Of course, this strategy requires a new kind of adulting. And we did the calculations of like, okay, how much will it be for, you know, prenatal care? We just called every time and and got a price for every single thing. She goes in for a glucose test, but she calls to get the price first, has an ultrasound, gets the price first. And everything was great. They're like, you're fine. You're like, and I was like, good. Cool. One more trimester to go. We're We're good. We got this. And then I was in class. Um, and I was getting up to leave, and it had felt like, which I know, don't know what this feels like at the time, felt like my water had broke. And I was like, okay. So I remember I got in the car, called my sister first. Sorry, Corey. She's just like my go-to person. And I was like, this feels like this. She's like, why don't you call the nurse line? I was like, okay. I got home, you know, obviously checked, and there was blood. You, he called 911 and my first thing was, we don't have health insurance. Don't do anything. Caitlin actually tells Corey, tell the ambulance not to come. You're going to drive me to the hospital. So he does. As we're walking out of the house, the fire truck and ambulance are pulling up to the front of our house. They're like passing us, like walking out. We're doing one, you know, covering our faces. It wasn't us that called kind of thing. The people at the hospital are like, yeah, we'll keep you here for the night. And every time a doc walks into the room, Corey and Caitlin say, we don't have health insurance. Don't do anything you don't totally have to do. And Corey starts sending emails to everyone they can think of, including me. Thanks, guys. And writing their U.S. senators seems to actually help. Because a couple days later, they're back from the hospital and they hear from a guy from the state, from Minsher. His name is Cher. And he says, I can fix this. I'm going to fix this. I'll get your insurance to take you back. It'll be like all this never happened. Yeah, we're like, yes, it's amazing. Like I told Cher that, yeah, like, I'm going to name my child after you. Like I was, we were so excited because it was like, oh my gosh, this, okay, it works. Like we were, we were ecstatic, you know. Of course, it doesn't happen right away. And then a week later, more blood. Um, Corey was upstairs working and I was getting ready for bed and it happened again. And we were like, oh, shit. And we knew this time, just go straight to the hospital. Um, we didn't call the ambulance. <laughs> we didn't call the ambulance. Uh, so we just drove straight to the hospital, and they admitted us. 
And then um, it got pretty serious. The docs told him, if this keeps going, the baby might have to come out right away. And this hospital isn't equipped for that scenario. A couple days later, they're still in that hospital, and there's more blood. You know, so it's like, oh, now we're taking an ambulance ride to a different hospital. Yeah. What is this? Co- That's what I kept thinking. What is, because everybody yeah. talks about ambulance. They, you know, there's horror stories. Yeah. And in the midst of this, I remember laying there. I'm like, what is this costing us? That is in just a minute on an arm and a leg, right after this break. The season of an arm and a leg is a co-production of Public Road Productions and Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit newsroom covering healthcare in America. It's an editorially independent part of the Kaiser Family Foundation. It is not affiliated with the giant healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente. They share an ancestor. It is a fun story that we'll recap at the end of this episode. Okay, back to the story. Caitlin and Corey spend Thanksgiving in that second hospital. Family comes to them. They don't have to cook. That's nice. And after five nights at two different hospitals, plus that ambulance ride, they get to go home. Then a week later, Cher, the guy from the state who's going to fix everything, he has bad news. Their old insurance is not going to take them back. All of this makes me... Reliving this hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so we had just gone out to a great breakfast and got on the phone with Cher and he was like, womp, 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 womp. They're not going to do anything. They can't do anything. Same story as before. But there's a consolation prize. Cher has this other pitch. Pick one of the other plans on the exchange. We'll get you into that one, you know, retroactively. It'll be like you've had insurance the whole time, just not the one you signed up for before. Suddenly, they're back where they started two years before, staring at insurance plans for two straight days. And then Corey and Caitlin hit the phones again, getting estimates, double-checking with providers they've already seen. Do you really take this insurance? What do you think our bill's going to be? They show me the pages from their notebooks where they wrote down all the estimates and the names of the people they talked to and what time, documenting everything. And still, they cannot get super solid answers. And even with the best information they can get, none of their choices look great. Because they've been to two hospitals now. Their old plan covered both. But none of these plans covers more than one of the places they've already been. And that means no matter what, they're out a bunch of money. Like, at least 10000 bucks. This consolation prize is not as good as their old insurance. So choosing a new plan is partly about minimizing the losses they've already suffered. But they've also got to think about minimizing risks they're still facing going forward. For instance, what if there's another bleed, another hospitalization? And the doctors are saying to us, like, if there's another bleed, most likely means the baby's coming out. If they don't get to 30 weeks, that baby's premature and they have to go to the specialty hospital covered by one plan. If they do get to 30 weeks... They can go to their regular hospital, see their regular doctor, covered by a different plan. And at this point, they're at almost 29 weeks. They call Cher, they tell them they want the one that covers their regular doctor, and they cross their fingers that the baby will wait another week. Okay, get to 30 weeks, get to 30 weeks. Like, don't have anything to get to 30 weeks. And they do. But the baby could still come any old time, early, any day, and they still don't actually have this new health insurance. They really want to get that nailed down, like get somebody a check by the end of December at the very latest. But no one's given them any details about how to do that. So 
It's time for another marathon round of calls, this time to their new insurance company. Are we showing up in your system? Have you heard from our pal Cher? Can we pay you? How much? Where do we send the check? They call twice a day. That's all they can do. That and bed rest for Caitlin. Christmas is kind of stressful. We're worried about Caitlin bleeding. We were like, still didn't know if we had insurance. So we made our family come here <laughs> to celebrate. Try not to go into labor. Yeah, honestly, that was like Christmas. the game was yeah. don't go into labor. Don't go into labor. A few days after Christmas, Corey's with a client. He calls the insurance right at the start of his lunch break so he can eat while he's on hold and still have time to actually talk once somebody picks up. And he lucks out. He reaches a woman he's talked to before who knows their story. And was like, okay, I'm going to calculate the amount. We're going to just do the math right now. Like from what on my end, what it looks like, what this plan cost, send me this, send in the check and we'll, you know, cross our fingers. Hopefully it works. Oh my God. Yeah. She was like not promising you anything. No, she wasn't promising us anything. I remember like I dropped it in and I text you like, pray this works. Thank you. All right. Oh, 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 oh there you nice, go. nice save. Yeah. What's up, bud? Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, you're on a podcast. <laughs> oh, girl, you're totally worth it. Okay, so yeah, Caitlin and Corey's baby is adorable and healthy. She was born on January 23rd. And yes, sending that check did work. Eventually. Of course, they still had to call twice a day to make sure. Did the money arrive? Did the insurance company know what it was for? And for a while, the answer is no. The and weekends kind of sucked that time because we couldn't call on the weekends because they were closed, <laughs> which is like so, like, so depressing. <laughs> I can't call it for two days? What do you mean? Finally, three weeks into the new year, they get confirmation that policy for the previous year is a go. Good thing, too. Next day, Caitlin goes in for an ultrasound. And they're super casually like, yeah, we'll get this baby out of here. Baby's ready, let's go. So I called Corey. I was like, okay, you should get here. We're having a baby. I mean, we didn't have the bag packed or anything. No. Classic first parents. You know, run around the house, grab whatever I can. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Yeah. I meet them, all three of them, two months later. We talk for more than six hours, reconstructing the whole timeline, piecing together what happened. By the end of the day, I tell them, I feel like I've watched you get tireder. Yeah. Like, as we've been having this yeah. conversation. It's, yeah. It's a lot to go back. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, that mm-hmm. happened. And it's like, I think I put those out of my brain. Yeah. And now I'm in baby world. But that was so stressful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still stressful, but in the thick of it, that was so scary. The bummer part, I mean, there's a big lots of bummers, but like, it's not done yet. Mm-hmm. We still got it after this podcast we have to actually still figure this out that is there are still bills to sort out they're still waiting for final word from their new insurance company about exactly what they owe to who for those hospitalizations in 2018 and there are still unanswered questions 
Like, was it legal for health partners to just drop them without giving any warning? Can they do that when Caitlin was pregnant? I don't know if we'll ever know the answer. Uh, I'll ask around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. After more than six weeks of bugging various legal experts and three different state agencies in Minnesota, I got an answer. Buried deep in state regulations, there is a provision that basically says, yeah, on a policy like the one Caitlin and Corey had, the insurer can cut you off without notice if you don't pay on time. And then there's a bigger picture question that all of us can relate to. No matter who they were calling, health partners, Minsure, or the insurance company they ended up with. Every single time, they had to sit on hold for maybe a half hour and then end up talking with somebody who didn't have the authority or the competence to do anything substantive to advance the conversation. There's this, like, you know, imaginary wall that we can't break through to be like, hey, look at this. This is easy. Let's resolve this. It takes months of phone calls and waiting going forward, going backwards, going forward, going backwards. How much time we've spent. How much money these companies spent talking to us, you know. I tell Corey and Caitlin my theory, now that I've been hearing a lot of stories like this, and I'm not the first person to say this, but it's like those systems, especially all the long hold times, all those people who don't really do anything, maybe they're just inefficient. But maybe they're really, really efficient. Maybe they're like a toll the health insurance companies and everybody else are charging you. Like, you want to talk to somebody who can maybe help you? Let's see if you're willing to pay this toll. Otherwise, maybe you just pay whatever we tell you to pay. Caitlin and Corey just kind of nod to that. There's a postscript here. When I get home from Minnesota, I reach the press rep from Health Partners, the company that booted Corey and Caitlin last fall and wouldn't take them back. I tell her the story, how I want their response. She says she'll get back to me the next day. Except the next day, guess who gets a call from Health Partners? Corey and Caitlin. They hear from some executive. She just said, like, I heard you're doing a podcast. I want to know how I can help you (laughs) at this point. I'm like, well, you can give me a year of free therapy. They don't get that, but Health Partners does offer to reinstate them. And later that day, Health Partners writes me to say, yeah, we got nothing to say. Next time on An Arm and a Leg, we start a series about how prices got to be so high. It's kind of a horror story. For instance, it starts in a wood shop at a table saw. Looked away from the blade for a minute as I reached my hand in to grab the offcut and put my hand in the still spinning blade. Oh, and the woodworker? He doesn't have health insurance. His story has kind of a happy ending, financially speaking. But the question is, why is this so scary? I mean, financially scary. I mean, me, even knowing the ending, I'm not going near a table saw anytime soon. That's next time on An Arm and a Leg. Till then, take care of yourself. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. This episode was produced by me, Dan Weissman. Our editor is Whitney Henry Lester. Our consulting managing producer is Daisy Rosario. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Adam Raimunda is our audio warlock. Our intern is Daniel Fernandez. 
This Season of an Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News, whose story is coming right up. They are helping pay some of the cost of producing this season, and you are putting up the rest by supporting this show on Patreon. Thanks to all of you, my family is not reaching directly into our pockets to pay these costs. That is a huge deal. Eventually, the show needs to be a sustainable enterprise, meaning our family will need some income from it, and that is why we are aiming to get a 1,000 supporters this year. I put that call out at the end of season one, and a whole bunch of people responded. At the end of our next episode, I will be thanking everyone who's pledged two bucks a month or more, and that will be fun. It's a long list. Meanwhile, here's the deal with Kaiser Health News. The only thing it shares with Kaiser Permanente, the healthcare provider, is a common ancestor, a guy named Henry J. Kaiser. He was what you might call an industrialist. He built a lot of U.S. cargo ships for World War II, and he helped build the Hoover Dam. He got into smelting aluminum, making steel, all kinds of stuff. He also started a healthcare program for his workers that became Kaiser Permanente. Along the way, Henry Kaiser started a family foundation, and when he died in the 1960s, he left the foundation half his money. It gave away money like a regular foundation until 1990, when a guy named Drew Altman became their CEO. At that point, the Kaiser Family Foundation, also known as KFF, turned itself into a different kind of organization. It stopped giving money away and instead hired a bunch of health policy experts and had them do their thing. The idea was to become a place where reporters and policymakers could get solid, non-ideological information about the U.S. healthcare system. And then, by 2009, the foundation noticed it wasn't getting so many calls from reporters. Newspapers were shrinking and reporters were getting laid off. So, Altman created Kaiser Health News, an editorially independent program within KFF that aims to fill that gap. It's a newsroom putting out the kinds of stories that commercial newsrooms just haven't been doing as much or as well as they used to. They hired a bunch of amazing reporters. You should see the staff list. The word award appears dozens of times and had them start putting out stories. To get those stories out there, Kaiser Health News makes its reporting available for free under Creative Commons licenses, and it partners with news organizations like NPR, The New York Times, CNN, The Chicago Tribune, The Tampa Bay Times, really anywhere to put the stories out. That's who they are, and that is why I could not be pleaseder that they are co-producing this season of An Arm and a Leg, providing some financial and editorial support. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast at Kaiser Health News. She's the editorial liaison to this show, and she is one of the world's nicest humans. And just as a bonus, here is the sound of Caitlin and Corey's baby going to sleep. You're welcome. <laughs>